0: Welcome to the Marriage Steps Podcast. For developing a long-lasting, happy relationship is the status symbol to achieve. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get you there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, a licensed psychologist specializing in marriage counseling. The Marriage Steps Podcast is listener-supported, so to help keep it on the air so couples worldwide can receive hope for their marriage, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. Quick reminder, this is one of your last chances to sign up for my Total Marriage Refresh Seminar online. I'm doing it live June 26th and June 27th through Zoom. Normally I do the seminar live, but because of COVID I can't right now, so I'm making the most of it by doing it live through Zoom. So if you've never been through the the course, I highly encourage you to attend. I cover the six steps to marriage satisfaction. You'll leave with a ton of tools in your toolbox on how to have a good marriage. If you're interested, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com, click on Marriage Retreats, then Total Marriage Refresh online. The marriage tip of the day is leave your partner little notes around the house. When was the last time you did that? Probably when you were dating. When we date, we naturally nurture the emotional connection and romance in the relationship. But when we're together for a while, we stop doing those behaviors. And leaving little notes is a great way to bring it back. However, think about what kind of notes would your partner like. If you are married to someone who is a low libido person, most likely they're gonna like emotional notes. So emotional notes mean things that you love about them, Uh, things that you appreciate about them, things that you admire about them, low libido partners tend to appreciate those types of notes. If you're married to someone with a high libido, they tend to appreciate more sexual or erotic notes. So things that you want to do with them, how you're looking forward to the next time doing something with them, how you're fantasizing about doing something with them. Those kind of notes for high libido partners tends to grab their attention. So be mindful about leaving notes this week but also be mindful about what kind of notes would your partner enjoy most. The marriage joke of the day is my partner is not believing me that autocorrect changed your psychic to your psycho. (laughs) Okay, so today is when I respond back to marriage questions. Um, People send me marriage questions through Facebook or Instagram or they email me. And then I always grab a handful of them and respond back on the podcast episode Because I'm sure a lot of you have similar questions. So I hope you find this helpful. First question. What do I do with my partner who seems complacent in meeting my needs? I see this in the practice a lot. Where once in a while I'll get a couple where one partner is complacent. And they don't care about filling up their partner's love bucket. And it becomes a big problem. So a couple things I would suggest. If you are married to someone and they seem complacent in meeting your needs. First thing to consider is why. What's going on underneath that? For some people, it's because they have resentment towards you that's unresolved, and that's why they're not filling up your love bucket, and that's why they're being complacent. So you may need to work on the resentment and see what's going on with that. Um, Another reason may be because you're not filling up their needs, and so they're complacent in meeting yours. So perhaps you need to think about how well are you meeting their needs and dialogue about that so that they feel like you're also trying to fill up their bucket. If you've explored both of those things and you've been working with a marriage counselor and your partner is still complacent and just seems indifferent about meeting your needs, consider a separation because that can be considered neglect and they may need a wake up call because the one thing that makes me frustrated as a marriage counselor is when we have explored resentment issues, when we've explored you know, the other partner filling up their bucket, so there's really no other reason, but they're still just complacent, it's very frustrating. And a lot of times, it's because that partner is taking you for granted. And so if that's the case, it can fall under the umbrella of neglect, which can be grounds for separation. And sometimes that's needed to get their attention. Second question, what do I do with my partner who has a substance abuse problem and lies about it substance abuse and infidelity are similar because it's almost as if this other person is taking over your relationship substance addiction is like a third person in the marriage so when this is going on normally it's futile to try to work on the marriage until the substance addiction is under control so one thing i would consider is doing periodic lie detector testing to make sure your partner is telling the truth about their use and I would make sure your partner is getting treatment. So that's probably gonna involve a counselor, it might involve some medication, but it's gonna involve some intense treatment to get their substance addiction under control and the lying under control. Once that is in place, then it makes sense to start working on your marriage, and then that's when you'd wanna work with a marriage counselor, but not until the substance addiction is under control. Third question how can i make my partner feel more listened to that's a great question what a wonderful question how wonderful it would be if more partners asked that how can i be a better listener for you that's wonderful so here's some tips first thing is power off your phone power off the tv put the kids to bed or put the kids somewhere else and provide undivided attention undivided attention is a gift when we provide that to our partner it's like we're giving them a gift Giving your attention, all of it, to your partner is a gift. Second thing I'd recommend is turn it into a routine. Have designated time daily to provide undivided attention. This is where you can do the head-heart check. Head is everything you fe- you did during the day, and your heart is what you felt and why. So mad, sad, glad, or fear and why. Providing that time daily where you ask your partner, hey, what was on your head and heart? And then they ask you what's on your head and heart. And then you share. You take turns sharing. So some active listening tips. When your partner is sharing, make sure you look, at, look them in the eye. Make sure you paraphrase back what they're saying. And make sure you provide some empathy. And empathy sounds like this. That sucks. Or no wonder you feel like that. Or it makes sense that you feel so sad because you and your friend had that fight. I can see how you'd feel like that. Those are empathy statements. Empathy statements are not complicated, they're not long, they don't need to be convoluted. It's just empathizing with what your partner is feeling. That's a great way to be an active listener. So if you put all that together, you wanna make sure you have no distractions, you have a designated time to talk, and you practice active listening when you do talk. Okay, number four, how often is it okay to make a complaint in marriage? So complaints are a big topic. First of all, it's unrealistic to think that there will never be complaints. You're imperfect, your partner's imperfect, and you're living head to head, in close proximity, shoulder to shoulder, day in and day out. So there's gonna be complaints. Just accept, accept it as part of marriage. However, how often you make a complaint is important. You don't wanna be making a complaint daily. Or multiple times a day because then your partner is going to feel hopeless and like they're continually critiqued however the guideline I suggest is no more than one to two complaints a week one to two a week but when you make that complaint you have to make sure you're doing a soft startup the four steps to a soft startup so as a reminder number one you do focus on how they've improved on the area you want to complain about number two you want to think about how they may be innocent That's the benefit of the doubt. What are the other variables that may have contributed to their behavior? Number three, you wanna think about how did you possibly contribute? Whether that's a a wound in your past that's getting activated or a value in your past that's getting violated or something directly you may have done that influenced their hurtful behavior back. Do you wanna acknowledge your part? And then fourth, you make the complaint. When you make the complaint, you can't say the word you, always or never. Identify your tender underbelly underneath your anger, which is sad, hurt, scared, insecure, lonely, etc., That pulls at their heartstrings. And then talk about your core need underneath the complaint. And core needs can be the need to feel adored, the need to feel listened to, the, <clears throat> the need to feel respected, the need, <clears throat> the need to feel like you're a team, etc., cetera, et cetera. You wanna identify the core need and express that because that's what really matters not the details on top. So if you're making that complaint, that is how often I would say is the guideline. So one to two times per week is a reasonable amount of time to make <clears throat> excuse me, to be making complaints. Okay, fifth question. How can we have more financial peace in our marriage? This is huge. So many couples fight about sex and about money. So when it comes to money, I encourage a couple things one thing i encourage you to do is develop a budget so a budget needs to be a compromise on what both of you think is reasonable you want to write down all the areas you spend money on you want to make sure that there's no money going out the door that's not in your budget because that's what's most stressful a bill comes up or an expense comes up and it's not in the budget that's highly stressful so you wanna sit down with your partner and think through what are all of our expenses? What do we spend money on? And what are all the categories? How can we organize how we spend money? You wanna write it all down, and then you're gonna to have to negotiate some of the numbers. Because partner A may think you need to spend X amount of dollars on a category. Partner Y thinks it needs to be Y amount of do- dollars. So you're gonna have to bounce the ball and share power until you get reach a win-win and a compromise on some of the dollar figures. So that's the first thing to do for better financial peace. Second thing to do is you wanna strive towards paying off all of your debt from smallest to largest except for your house. That's gonna create more financial freedom and peace. That may take you a year, that may take you three years. But you wanna become aggressive on getting rid of all debt because debt creates stress. Once your debt is paid off, the next step is building up a three to six month emergency fund for your living expenses. So you can't do that until you do your budget. And so those are some things to start with. So you wanna start with the budget, then you wanna pay off all debt, smallest to largest except for your home, and then third, build up an emergency fund of three to six months of living expenses. If you do that, that's gonna develop a sense of teamwork and it will create more freedom financially in your marriage. Thank you for listening to the Merit Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to click the five stars, leave a review, and subscribe. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com, and be sure to message me your marriage questions. You can message me on Facebook, Instagram, or email me at info at drwyattfisher.com. And remember, your marriage is alive. If you care for it and nurture it, it will grow. But if you neglect it, it will die. The choice is up. To you. Take care.